What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Running and Gunning Podcast with your hosts, Justin Sinan and Logan Sanburn. We apologize. We missed last week. Uh, I was a little bit under weather. Logan was really busy. We we both, between the both of us, it just didn't work out last week. We apologize, but uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in today with us. We're super excited. Uh, it is November 4th, and it's one of my favorite days of the season. This uh, this weekend, November 4th and 5th, are two of my favorite days in the whole year. Um, might just be me, but... I know uh, we're really pumped about this episode. We're going to get into talking about rut strategies and how you can capitalize on the rut. Um, me, myself, I've, I've had a lot more luck during the rut. Maybe that's just because it's luck. I don't know, but we're going to dive in and hopefully you guys can walk away with some new knowledge and uh, some new confidence this season when you're heading into November. But how are you doing, Logan? What's going on, brother? Doing well. Busy, as always. Um, and yeah, we obviously uh didn't put one out last week and i think most people understand that this time of the year is uh quite busy for everybody um you're trying to get in a tree whenever you can and um i know for us we're we're gonna lose another hour of daylight next week um when or i guess this weekend um because we got daylight savings time that's hitting us on sunday so it's going to start getting dark real early for us. You guys yeah, don't change it, time zone or time, do you? Yeah. Oh, you I do mean, too? we're I'm on central time. Uh, for those of you guys that don't uh, know, I, I'm yeah. I'm literally like in the county where it separates, so I can drive a half hour <laughs> and I'm on Eastern. It's it's a it's a mess, dude. But um, yeah, I I heard something about they're uh, actually getting rid of daylight savings after this one's over. Did you hear about that? I have been hearing about that forever, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's that actually is. true. Yeah, I, I, I hear it's you. True. Yeah, I mean, I mean people it, tell me I'm going to kill a good buck this year, and I'm like, I hope it's true. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I hear that. Yeah, it, right. I mean, it's it just is tough to try and get out on evening hunts, like after work and stuff like that. For most people, I think when you know the it gets dark at freaking 5 30 or right. whatever time it's gonna oh be. It, it totally kills like the working class guy i mean it's i don't know man it's all around it kind of sucks because especially for us here in kentucky because our rifle season's coming in next saturday which i'm super not excited about <laughs> um it's it's just been a grind man honestly like i'm just trying so hard to kill one before next saturday and it's like I had I've had some great hunts since we last talked. Uh I killed two does um pretty much like a week apart. Um the one just kind of fell in my lap and she was getting ready to blow at my decoy and I just wasn't having it. So um got to test out some new broadheads uh that we're testing out for Lone Wolf. I'm really excited to uh to show you guys them uh whenever we're allowed to release. But they are kick ass and um I'm pretty excited to uh to shoot a buck with them and see how it goes is it is it a rule that if she blows she goes oh absolutely come on <laughs> as long you as she sticks that. around yeah 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 and it was one of those things man or i was like i really wanted to shoot i already shot one deer with these new broadheads but this one was like a 10 yard like i was like i'm gonna pinwheel this thing and she didn't go like 50 yards she piled up like immediately 
Um, cool. It was cool, That's... and that was actually my biggest doe I've shot like ever. So I was pretty happy. I'm excited to see those. Yeah. What does? No. Well, yeah. I, I need to relearn what those look like for sure. Oh man, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Logan's really struggling this year. It's been really tough. Like I know you're so busy, and you, having a baby doesn't help either. It's like it's all around. You're getting it, man. But I know your luck is going to turn around. You know, you're grinding. You're you're doing everything you can. It's just it's just tough, man. I think. Where you're at, it's it's a lot harder on public because it it has so much more pressure. Where I'm kind of, you know, on the outskirts of like the cities and stuff, and a lot of our public land doesn't quite as get quite as much pressure as yours. But yeah, it it is what it is. I'm I'm figuring it out. I'm just having to change tactics. Um, trying to move to hunting some more permission properties and stuff. Um, because that I think that that allows me better time management as far as being able to just get out when I can get out and run through the woods and get up in a tree instead of worrying about, you know, messing up other people's hunts or who's going to be in the woods and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about bumping into anybody or, you know, finding somebody else in my spot or stuff like that. Um, or if I just need to scout, um, which I do need to do, like I don't have to, uh, try and time it in the middle of the day or like whatever. It's just when I can get out, I can get out. So. Yeah. Speaking of that, man, like I've been struggling so hard up until like right at this point, like I feel like the deer are really, really laying down sign now, but I've never seen anything like I've seen this year as far as like lack of sign goes. I mean, I've covered, there was like last week, I think I covered five miles in a day and I saw a handful of rubs barely any scrapes maybe like two scrapes and none i couldn't make any sense of any of the sign it was just completely random rubs in the middle of the hardwoods and i was like i was just like so deflated man i mean my private properties were not really lining up with like anything that i i had that i was really interested in and the public wasn't either so i'm just like i just didn't know what to do and I think things are turning around. That's the best thing that I I have to say about November is it. I think it really gets a lot of these bigger, more mature deer on their feet and you start to see them, you know, I obviously was not on anything in particular. So it's like, you know, now I'm kind of hoping to, you know, pick up some more scouting this week and, and come up with some more stuff because I was out this morning and man, like there's a mature buck in there for sure. And he is laying down the sign. And I'm really worried about it because apparently there's guys that don't have permission to hunt this farm, but they've been hunting it for years. And the farmer that I have permission from, like, he's just not interested in kicking people off the property. So it's kind of up to me. And I mean, how, how would you approach that Logan? Like, I know you're, you know, with you being in law enforcement and stuff, like, how do I push that issue? I mean, do I just like burn my, I don't want to, you, you know, that I don't want to like shoot a deer with a rifle. So I'll be bow hunting during rifle season. Like what would your approach to that be? I mean, do you, do you know the, uh, like the folks that I guess allow them to come to that farm? I don't know him, but I know know the guy's name. Yeah. Like, do you think I should just outright go to that guy and talk to him before rifle? I would say, yeah, before sometime before, um, at least try and open the conversation and 
be like, Hey, I know that your buddies come out here and hunt this property. Um, and maybe you got permission however long ago, if you want to talk to the landowner and, you know, figure, work that out with him, then I'd be happy to, you know, help facilitate that. But otherwise, like I'd appreciate it if you guys would not come out there. Um, cause I'm going to be bow hunting or what, you know, something along those lines. Right. It's just tough. Cause like, I know that they have their double ladder stands and all this stuff there. And, you know, they even went as far as putting a tag on there. It says, we have permission from such and such. <laughs> and I talked to such and such and he said he didn't know anything about it. So I'm just kind of like, I don't know how to handle the situation. I'll be honest with you. Like it's, yeah. I've never had to deal with it. I know it's hard because you never know how somebody's going to react in that situation. Yeah. Um, you know, especially on opening up. day, you know, right. that's, that's why you so definitely have excited. to, like, <laughs> I think you should have to do it or not have to do it, but I think that it would be best to have that conversation beforehand so that you're not yeah. putting the, the situational pressure on them to where it's like, Oh shit, you know, this is my time to hunt. And now we're trying to, we're going to have to figure out somewhere else to go. And yeah, you know, Whereas if they can, you can get it figured out beforehand. Like I think it'll come off a little bit better and the result might, um, be better for you. Solid, solid plan. I think that's how I'm going to approach it. Cause I really, I, it really sucks, dude. Cause I feel like I could totally kill this deer. Um, he's, he's just asking for it pretty much, but our weather is just not cooperating. And I feel like all I need is a cold front day and I could probably get it done. But, you know, like our temps are going to be like mid 70s all the way until next Saturday. We're supposed to get a huge cold front and that's opening day. And I just feel like if there's any way I can get it done that more, I feel like that morning might be the day. And it's like, I don't know, just definitely a tough situation if they show up. Right. No, I I understand that. And I think the best thing to do is if we could just cancel gun season, but. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe we could just talk to fishing game and be like, "Can we push?" Yeah, I I really don't get it because in Maryland, our rifle was like November twenty eighth. It's like, or I think it's right after, um, like the Saturday after Thanksgiving, was how it always was. Yeah. And I feel like it would be kind of nice to do that here. I feel like they do it right in the middle of rut, and for a bow hunter, it just kills you. Because I mean, you know, yeah, it gives us two weeks to get it done before rifle, and it's whatever i don't want to come off like i'm just bitching about everything but it but it does suck you know i know you can relate to i think a a lot of um our listeners and like a a lot of people we know are strictly bow hunters um and so they understand and like kentucky is one of those states where it's i mean three full weekends long like and so it's it's just frustrating because especially when you're out there in the woods and you hear gunshot after gunshot after gunshot and you're just like, you know, <laughs> so yeah, you, it's demoralizing. It's even worse. Like, you know, we put so much effort in and then like you get to this point where like, Hey, like this is my time to shine. Like I could actually get this done now. And then rifle comes in and it just, especially for public, because I mean, it is just a massive push. I can tell you from running cameras around here on public, it's like everybody and their uncle is out there in the woods together pushing every piece of land. So I feel like all my public's going to go to crap. 
the private that I got is probably going to crap. So I'm just like scrambling, dude. I just don't know what to do. But I have faith. I, I, I feel like it'll it'll happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But and I'll I'll go. Let's ahead get and say into. It. Well, go I was ahead. gonna. I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, and you know, shooting a deer at like 200 yards over a corn pile is not like satisfying whatsoever. So like, if that's what, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's so frustrating because you see these people, you work all season to try and kill something good. And right. You know, you put so much time, energy and effort and then somebody goes out literally opening morning and smokes a deer and no, no one else really sees that. Like <laughs> the difference, yeah. right. Um, yeah. besides people who actually understand. And that's another like aspect that is, is frustrating. And I think that like for us and a lot of our listeners and whatnot, I think that it's important to at least acknowledge it, um, that there are other people who do understand <laughs> that, that struggle and that frustration. So well, it's really, it's tough, dude. If you look at the stats on like just on Kentucky alone, it's like there's only 20% of us that are bow hunters and like a, a 10% of that 20 is crossbow hunters too. So you're talking about 10% of us that actually like, you know, get out there and bow hunt either traditional or with compounds. Like we're a pretty small minority, you know, like I feel like us bitching, we don't get heard. Like nobody cares. It's just an old school, you know, it is what it is. And I, and for any of our listeners that are like, man, would you guys just shut up about this? Like, I can't wait to go kill a deer with a rifle. That's good for you. I, I just, we're just talking about our preferences. I mean, we, I live and breathe bow hunting. I, I love bow hunting and I've taken deer with a rifle. And to me, it's just, it's just way more, I feel way more fulfilled doing it my way and to each is their own. I mean, if, if you enjoy going out rifle hunting, then that's what you should do. Like hunting is all about doing it your way and enjoying yourself but end of rant on that i really wanted to get into some tactics and stuff for how to capitalize on the rut so what it i mean for me honestly you know we were talking about calling and stuff i have to say i've killed uh four deer four like pope and young deer two of them on november 4th two of them on november 5th um actually three of them on november 5th and I had zero calling for any of these deer. I just shut up and let whatever was going to happen play out. And we were talking about this earlier in the week when we were just BSing. Um, I think that calling can be a really awesome strategy if you're using a decoy because uh, it gives a deer like a visual. But when you call a deer into like a field or you call a deer from like the hardwoods, he's searching for that other deer, you know? where like if you give him a visual he locks in on that and then you can just about get away with anything i i've really come to enjoy decoy hunting um over the years it's been uh it's kind of a pain in the ass you know and it's not for everybody i mean if you have a farm it can be a game changer um it's just one of those things like you know adapt to whatever your situation is for public you know you might not want to use a a decoy because you know I don't think that somebody's going to come in there and shoot it with a bow, but it's just like, it's really hard. I feel like, you know, for us from public, we're walking a lot deeper 
where on a farm, like I might just be able to ditch the decoy, you know, in a field edge and then come back and set it up. It's just a lot easier in that aspect. But I mean, for you, like how, how are your rut experiences? I mean, what would you um, say? Ne- is your... I've never, uh, even attempted to use a decoy. Um, I just, I haven't, it's not that I haven't had interest in it. I just haven't committed to getting one or, I mean, I've hunted a lot of thick stuff. I mean, that's just like what I normally hunt and having a decoy and that sort of terrain just doesn't make sense. Right. Um, when there's and that, not and a that's where long sight distance. Calling could come in handy a lot if you're in that thick area, like where yeah. he can't see. Um, I was actually going to compare it a little bit to at least my limited experience, but like the stuff that I've listened to with elk calling, it's, it's a interesting game because I got, <laughs> I actually got uh, yelled at this year because I was night bugling trying to locate elk. Um, and some dude yelled at me because I was calling and he's like, well, are, have you heard any bugles? And I was like, well, no. And he's like, then why are you talking if they're not talking? And I was like, because I'm looking for the one bull that wants to play the game. Like, I don't care if, if there's a bull right there and he's not, if he wants to be quiet and whatever, like, cool. I'm looking for the one that does want to play. And right. it's the same in that, that sort of like mentality applies in the same thing. Cause like you can watch deer, if you grunt at them or rattle, like they're, they're going to get spooked. They probably won't come in or yeah. they'll at least skirt you or whatever. Um, but you find the right one and he wants to play the game. Like he's going to come in all bristled up and looking for that fight. Um, and that's fun. <laughs> that's yeah. fun to see. It's fun to watch. Um, especially when it's a good one. But I think that for me, like I only take a grunt tube um, and I just like started carrying that with me. I just keep it in my pocket Um, and I don't necessarily blind call. Like I keep it there in case I see one that's not, you know, not going to come into range and he's walking away from me or stuff like that. Um, I don't do a lot of like just like I said, blind calling or anything like that. And I don't take any antlers with me. It's just not part of my game. Yeah, I do. I'll take antlers with me when I have the decoy for the visual aspect of things and hunting a big field. Like when I am hunting a farm, I think it, it can be a solid tactic. I've got a close friend of mine around here that has killed some of his biggest deer with those tactics. And I think it's great for farm country and less pressured uh, places. But when you get into like pressured public and stuff, I think you're spot on Uh, how many dudes are out there rattling, making all kinds of noise. (laughs) And like, you know, I've heard a few people say this like, you're rattling, but you're making absolutely no noise on the leaves that are crunchy as crap. You know, there's no sticks breaking. I mean, if you ever actually watch a buck fight, man, like they make a lot of noise. And I think that when you can do something, anything like that to make it more real and more realistic, 
that's really going to set, you know, your tone apart from just a guy that's rattling in his stand with no extra noise. The more you can actually paint a picture, the the more success you're going to have. I have called in a few bucks, and the only time that rattling has really worked for me is when I was on the ground being really aggressive. I mean, my arms were tired by the time I got done rattling, and I beat the crap out of bushes and trees and everything else, and that deer came in directly downwind of us. Like, I was with a friend of mine trying to get him a deer, and I put a decoy on a field. And that deer came in directly behind us, and I was, like, blown away. I actually thought that my friend was lying to me because he's like, Justin, big buck right behind us. And I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, you're full of crap. (laughs) And I turned around, man. Logan, I'm not kidding. I turned around, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this deer, it was one of the biggest deer that I was trying to kill that year. And he is 20 yards behind us, like, just checking, just looking around. And I'm, like, in disbelief. He ended up like winding us and he went out to the edge of the field, saw our decoy, even though he winded us, saw the, he just must've smelled something, you know, that he didn't like, like just a little bit and, uh, ended up snort wheezing at the decoy, almost came right into the decoy. The only reason I, I think he didn't is because a little buck was chasing a doe in the field and that gave him more of a visual. And then he just walked right out there and, um, I ended up drawing back and I shot over his back because I judged the yardage. <laughs> he was 30 yards and I thought he was like maybe 35 or something. It was really, really a tough one to, to judge, but hey, you miss all that the shots. That wasn't how I take. thought that story was going to end. But. Well, I'm sorry, man. Um, <laughs> just being real here, you know. It's bow hunting. Yep, it is. It's bow hunting. But uh, um, cool, cool experience. But Yeah, no, that's awesome. And something uh, – I just saw my buddy killed a doe. Um, he's in Texas and they were like harvesting it, whatever, sitting there with it. And there was a buck that came up and like checked a scrape like 10 yards from him, And then like was looking him right in the face and just basically skirted around and walked right around him and kept on his own business. <laughs> it's like, no like they weren't even there. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, like recently was this recent? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, this was like yesterday or the day before. Um, so in Texas, their rut comes in like late, right? So it really wasn't like rut behavior. I think it. I think it was rough. Uh, I mean, he said was saying he thought that doe was in heat and he was yeah. just following it. Yeah. yeah, that's what happened with that recent doe I shot. Man, she came in with a nice young ten point. There were like four or five does, and I swear, I I wish I could have like taken some pee from her or something because she smelled pretty good. Like I yeah. was like, oh yeah. And he bumped, the buck ended up bumping her, and then she came out and, and started getting angry at my decoy, and I gave yes. her the old the old pinwheel. Does she smell like that Tink 69? No, she smelled like a hot dough. <laughs> I, I mean, I know some people have luck with the Tinks. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of two-sided on the, on the scent stuff. I feel like it works out really well when it's like the ruts really kicking. Like you can have good luck with that stuff. Um, I, I really like using scents in my scrapes. I would say that's like my go-to for scent stuff. And which by the way has been working awesome. Um, I've been using black widow, uh, deer lure for Mm -hmm. their, um, I think it's called branch butter and their dominant. I got synthetic dominant buck and that actually smells like, legit 
and I've got a lot of good reactions out of I mean tons and tons of nice three year old bucks. Uh not <laughs> not too many. There's one good one that I got that's mature, but I'm not really interested in taking him. But it's just good to see. I love I love getting that footage on the scrapes, man. It's so much fun. Man, I remember growing up, like we used to put some of that dough urine on like a whatever like the wafer thing and then I would tie a string like around my ankle and then drag it behind me as I was walking through the woods never worked yeah. not once never worked no <laughs> no, no you know my it, old it man was like... he he told me a story one time he did that exact thing right and he said he was afraid to get out of his damn tree stand he had this buck so pissed off that he couldn't find the hot dough that this buck was underneath of his tree going to town, like scraping, rubbing every tree around him. Like he was pissed. And my dad was like, I didn't, he said he didn't know what to do. It got, he waited in his tree. Like he was just getting ready to get down. He couldn't shoot the deer or anything. Cause it was like almost dark and he didn't have any, like enough light to shoot him. And we had walkie talkies back then. And he's like, he's like, I need you to bring the four wheeler over here. I'm like, scared to get out of my tree and i'm like what do you want me to do i'm like little 13 year old justin like uh (laughs) so i go over there and pick him up man it was great like i was honestly like i'll never forget that and he put a a whole bottle of tanks when he got to his uh to his stand he put like a couple of the you know scent wicks put the whole bottle just sprayed it all over the place and then he did a drag on his way in and he was like dude it worked he just he didn't come in soon enough that's hilarious. So it's just, you know how it is, man. I think it's just catching that deer on the right time, you know? Yeah. Some deer react positive, some deer react negative. I think it just depends on what that deer's been through pressure wise and what he's smelled in the past, you know? I mean, and that directly applies to calling as well. Um, exactly. And, and that changes too between like, uh, I guess it's, it's mostly pressure not necessarily whether it's public or private. Um, but you know those high pressure deer that have heard calling for their entire lives, right? They, and the mature they, deer that we're trying to target, especially you know once they hit that four or five year old mark, and they've been around the woods and they've heard these people. It's like, I mean, we've all been in the tree. You've been there, I'm sure. Like you hear this guy grunt calling every 15 minutes, and you're like, "What do I do?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hopefully you're downwind of them and then and that deer's trying to come ch- scent check. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't that lucky. I didn't see anything that day. I just remember I was sit- sitting there just shaking my head the whole time. I'm like, this guy must be his first time in the woods. But I, uh, I think that it's an important tactic, um, especially like what I was saying, the way that I utilize it is if you've got a visual – on a deer and you hit them with a a grunt or depending on how far it is, um, you know, if they're far, far and they can't hear it, then, and you can, and you've got antlers to crack together. Um, it's good to be able to read their behavior. Um, spot on. Yeah. And see if they are interested in it or if it's like, like you said, what their experience has been in the past, you know, if they just got their ass whooped, Mm-hmm. And they hear they hear rattling like they're not going to want to get involved in that probably. <laughs> well, here's a here's a cool thing. Um, I forget who had mentioned this, 
but it really makes a lot of sense. And you think about a dog, okay, like in dog years, how old is a dog? Like when they hit five years old, right? Like 35, 45, whatever. So let's just think about like deer for a second. If a deer is five or six years old, he's like an old man in the woods, right? If that deer was the dominant buck his whole life and he's just got that old like pissed off mentality, like nobody's going to be in here, whatever. He's a fighter, right? But then you've got a lot of other deer that have been through all that shit and maybe they've gotten their asses handed to him a few times. I think when you called at that buck, his reaction is completely going to be, no, I'm not going over there. Or if he's got a hot doe with him, why would he want to bring a hot doe and get in a fight and have some other buck try to take it? So that's where I kind of feel like, like you said, with like reading the situation and reading like what a deer's actually, you know, body posture is and reacts to your call, you can adjust from there. Um, if you call to him and his ears pin back, well, you know, he's coming to you. But if you have a deer that like, just kind of you catch off guard and he's like oh shit no, I'm, I'm not messing with that I don't feel like dealing with that today and he walks off it's like how much how much good are you doing calling I mean you know and I and I've heard Cody DeQuisto say that a few times that he he doesn't call at all and it's like from my if, if looking if you want to look at my success like most of most of my success I've had is you know from not calling so maybe I'm kind of screwing myself by calling and doing all this stuff and that's why i haven't had as much success i think it's, it's very just something to think about yeah yeah um i mean it just depends on the area the and the deer and uh what you're comfortable with like if you've got to be confident in doing it if you're questioning whether or not you should even be doing it then <laughs> you know right probably shouldn't uh right but i think like it just it's the same as everything else. It's just personal preference. Like if you want to do it, go ahead. And if it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't adjust, figure something else out and go with that. I mean, at the end of the day, like I, that was something else that I did want to talk about was like making adjustments and, and whatnot. Um, is I read something, somebody asked on one of the Facebook pages the, uh, the other day, saying that they saw a buck laying in a field like 200 yards out and he slipped into his stand and was trying to, he couldn't see the buck anymore and he was trying to figure out what to do or something like that. I don't remember exactly what, what he said, but it was like, why, why wouldn't you just go after that deer? Like I, right. you know, we, I know personally, like I've watched so many episodes of the hunting public or, you know, even uh, some of the Western stuff on like mule deer and whatnot uh, that where just spot and stalk and, and it's, it just blows my mind that it's just like not in people's heads to just go get that deer, you know? Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent, man. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> I know where he's at, but I'm gonna go sit in my stand and hope he walks. That's you know, that's within, where within thirty yards. Yeah, that's where it just comes down to your personality and what are you willing to do. I mean, I feel like, you know, from a filming standpoint, like it's a real challenge. Like that's a real mind game for me because I'm trying to get a good deer on film to kill him. I don't know. I mean, I think inside I would, 
I would probably try to push it and just, you know, turn my phone on and just see what I can record. I mean, especially if it was a slammer, man. I mean, that might be your only chance to kill that deer, and you 100% know where he's at. If you can put the wind in your favor, like, why wouldn't you? So this goes back to the conversation you and I were having earlier where another somebody else asked in a different uh, day, like, what does it take to make money hunting, right? And I understand, like, you want to get that deer on film. I'm the same way. Like, I want to record, you know, a kill. But at the same time, like, I'd much rather have that deer um, on the ground. Like, 100%. And so, at the end of the day, it's a decision of making that memory, putting the deer on the wall, or, you know, getting it on – going and sitting in your stand and hoping that he walks by. Um, Right. I I think it's just, none of us are making money hunting right now. So I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, at the end of the day, like my goal is to get a good deer down. Uh, you know, we spend so much time, we spend the whole year thinking about this. It's like, and what's our, what's the realistic aspect of, of our hunting? Like you're really, you're only going to get one chance, man. I mean, maybe two, like, I don't know. I mean, I always look at my year like that. Like, I'm going to get one opportunity, maybe, you know, and you have to capitalize on it, whatever that situation might be. So, roll the dice. I mean, you know, you're yeah, going to I mean, you're going to miss every shot you don't take. So, I, that's a firm statement I believe in. The uh I think the big, biggest example of that is um Aaron Blicey from the Fall podcast, like mm-hmm. that says one of his jobs is filming hunts, right? And right. so you would think that that would be a big factor in him killing a deer. Well, I just listened to his podcast from, I think it was last week, <clears throat> and he got a tip from a farmer. He went and he glassed up this buck that was the biggest Michigan buck he has ever seen. And he went out into that cornfield and spot and stalk right then and killed that deer no no film no anything just him and his personal experience and like made it right. happen and i know personally like i'd much rather have that that experience than ever try and get something like that on film yeah. and you're not right. having an experience like that because i was trying to get it on film like yeah so yeah. that that was just that was a perfect example for for that um and like you said, at the end of the day, like none of us are really making money off of any of this. So it's more important to have those experiences, um, that we can share with others. Um, like that's, right. you know, why we do it. Exactly, man. I mean, another sound strategy for, for like rut hunting, I feel like we kind of, we're kind of getting a little off track, but, um, no it's all good stuff. I mean, honestly, like i I, you know, in this time frame of the year, like that is a very real possibility that you're going to come across that a, a buck might be locked down with a doe in a drainage ditch. Are you just going to go sit in a stand and hope he walks by you, or are you going to go get him? I mean, I think this out of any time frame in the whole hunting year is the most important time for you to be mobile. Um, I've had success being mobile right at like around November. And I think that's why I've continued to have so much success is because I'll see things happen and I'll adjust to them. Like when you're sitting in the woods and you see 
a funnel of does and another buck and they're all working that same trail like and you're off of it tear your shit down and go get over there and that's typically like i i can't explain it i guess it's just like rut funnels like you know we've all heard that term a bunch of times but rut funnels are absolutely like a perfect example of how you can capitalize on the rut i mean when you can adjust and you see stuff happen in this time frame it's the most important time of the year for you to dive in and get to where you need to be at cuz they're consistent in what they do. It, it, it's it's hard to say that they're consistent in what they do, but I'm saying they're consistent in their travel patterns where they're working their ridges and they're working like, you know, these drainages and stuff like that. It's just up to you to find those places. You know, when we're, when we're taking long walks into public or something like that and you're in a place you've never been, you know, hunting out of state, whatever the situation might be. It's like see stuff and act on it. Like we always talk about, but yeah, I think understanding terrain features, um, like saddles, um, like hog backs, field corners, pinch points, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, that plays right into that same understanding. Um, and I think, knowing that like how to navigate those features is like really important right now because if you don't play it right like you said you can be off by whatever 20 yards you know if you're sitting 20 yards off of that trail that they're using you're not going to have that one opportunity that you just said that you should have and so I think having that knowledge of like looking at those different like structures and stuff like that, because at the end of the day, like the deer know the woods way better than we do. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they're going to follow whatever it is that they know is best. That's, you know, the path of least resistance and that kind of stuff, especially now when they are, exerting so much energy on a daily basis like they want the easy path right and so um i think like figuring that out while you're in the woods is huge and doing that in the dark is really hard um and so i think like get just getting out and getting boots on the ground and scouting right now you're not gonna mess anything up no Everything kind of goes out the window right now, honestly. Like, scaring does, scaring bucks, it doesn't really matter, man. I mean, my my first archery deer ever, I scared a whole herd of does out of a bedding area. And I immediately set up in that bedding area, and I killed a deer within a half hour. Like, it was my first archery buck ever. He was like a 125 nine-pointer. Like, I was so stoked. And... Honestly, like my heart sunk when I first got in that area and I, I did that cause I was just like, man, like I just blew my whole night and then bam, like when you go and you find those good bedding areas like that, that are full of does, you can bet your ass that buck is going to be checking that area. So you, like you said, scouting, like try to find a doe bedding area. That is one killer tactic for right now. Be hunting those doe bedding areas. That's where a lot of these bucks are going to be cruising, checking for them if they don't have one. 
And when that buck gets done tending a doe, he's going to be going and looking for another one. So just because he's locked down with one one day doesn't mean, you know, a day or two later he's going to be doing that same thing. So if you do have a, a nice piece of property that's, you know, private or public and you're fortunate enough to find something like that, that can be a game changer also. Um, yeah. So what I was <clears throat> saying is like get into those terrain features and find that path, the find the trail that they're using so that you can set up on it correctly. And it's not, you know, if it's a saddle that's, you know, 50 yards long on this ridge top, like that's a pretty decent amount of space for you to try and just set up and figure out if you're looking at it like I'm just thinking about like if you're e-scouting and you find this spot and you try and go in and set up like you've got to get there fig and figure it out on the fly and find that <laughs> you've got to pick the right tree. Right. Um, yeah. To give yourself the best opportunity. Right. Don't overthink it too. I think that's another pretty good like tip for right now. I think this is one of those time frames where you can just throw a sit you see something and and just check it i mean just throw a sit at it 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 can't hurt i mean the deer are moving man like they're moving constant um another another thing i wanted to touch on was if you are lucky enough to have historical data the rut can be an awesome time for you to target a buck that you may have only had during the rut um if he is still alive i've had it happen several times um that i'll have a buck show up around november 7th and then the next year he'll show up in that area around november 6th or november 7th and then he'll do the same like i've been lucky enough to have multiple bucks that i've like you know targeted and they seem pretty consistent on like going around those same areas year after year um so that can be another awesome thing like if you know that he kind of transitions to one end of the farm or you know like if it may just be because that area that was a doe bedding area and he's just checking those does. I mean, I just know yeah. it's kind of tough I mean, for me to do that now, you know, just being here for a few years. But like I said before, like the deer know the woods way better than we do. So <clears throat> that guy's got it figured it out, got it figured out. He knows where those does are and he's just making his rounds trying to find, you know, whatever does are hot. And so I think it's crazy how they have that like yearly cycle. Like it, yeah. it's just it's down to the day. Right. Right. Like it, I guess it's just because of when the does go into heat, like they just know I, that that's kind they, of my guess to it. Right. I mean, what, what do you think? It has yeah. to be. Yeah. It might just be I daylight mean, savings time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. They just know. They're like, mm, yep, it's uh, twelve o'clock on November eighth. Let me uh, let me go slide over here and, and check on this spot. It was really interesting, though, man. Like for this one specific buck, he would daylight on the same day every year. Like he did it two years in a row, and I was like, damn. Like actually, no, three years in a row. I never could kill him. Um, he would torment me. I, I mean, it was just like I played cat and mouse with this deer. So many times. I don't even know. I think somebody ended up killing him. Um, but it is what it is. That was the that was one cool thing about suburban hunting was like I think it was a little bit easier to target specific deer in suburban areas because, you know, 
he would probably go hang out at a sanctuary and then come check this neighborhood area like at a certain time but a little bit harder to target deer in you know big open farm country but people seem to do it i mean i think it's just time will tell for around here for me i just can't speak as much with experience here because i don't have it yeah i'm i don't really either i have um i don't have any historical data as far as the same deer but i've at least got enough to know where the spots are that they're checking um, yeah well that's that have important. consistent yeah that have consistently had bucks coming through at the same times of the year right so i mean it's and that just comes down to i mean like we were talking about where the does are betting and they know they already know that and so right they're just yeah making their rounds i feel like they got their own little biological clock when they know like when that lead doe goes into heat they're like all right let me go check on Susie over here in the d block (laughs) right that very that very well could be yeah you never know man i mean they say like those does go into heat and go into cycle like the same time every year so i don't know food for thought is there yeah, anything else uh, you were uh, you kind of wanted to touch on? I know we we definitely went all over the place with this one, but this is one of my favorite topics. Honestly, I I love I love hunting the rut. I know some some guys hate the rut, and I love it. I mean, it's just I maybe maybe it's just because I have more luck during the rut, and I I'm a firm believer it is luck. Maybe I'm kind of coming to the grips that you know I'm a I'm a good hunter, but. Uh, you know, I also get a little lucky too. Hey, it comes down to both, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause you can never control what they're going to do. So no, no, that's um, spot on. I just think they're on their feet more around this time and it just makes things easier. That's true. I mean, it is yeah. the best time of year. Yeah. Um, I have to say October was better than this, than November, especially weather wise. I mean, we're getting. <laughs> We're getting yeah, the brunt it, of this heat. I don't know what the heck's going on. It's been that way the last couple of years, but I still think, I mean, it's still good. The deer are still going to have the same behavior. Um, they may just be more on the fringes of daylight. Right. Um, that they're doing this, you know, whatever uh, activity. Like, I think right now for the next – I know even though gun gun season comes in, I mean, the next two to three weeks, like it's all about the time that you can put in and just kind of grinding it out. If you don't have, you know, a specific deer that you've been after all year, like just get out there because anything can happen. Anything at all. Um, You you never know what can walk by, whether it's noon whether it's you know five minutes before dark like i was watching an episode of the uh of the uh whitetail cribs recently and they were doing a um the tour of the deer deerassic uh park in uh, ohio which is like all the ohio bucks just really interesting that guy really knows like all the stories to all these gigantic deer and it's like amazing to me how many of them were taken you know by younger people or just people that were lucky in the rut and it's like it's all absolutely about just man go go sit in the woods i think 
November is just one of them times. Log your hours. You know, I, I, some people say they don't even pay attention to the wind. Per, for me personally, pay attention to the wind. You don't want that that doe to bust you. You know, when she's got a, a booner behind her or something like. It's it's just one of those things. I, I feel like if you log your hours in November and you got some good weather, then you should have some luck. I mean, however it works out, but. I'm going to close this out on this one, Logan. Um, you got anything else? No. Uh, good luck to everybody who's still out there getting after it. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Appreciate you tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks again for tuning in today, guys. We really appreciate all the support. Hopefully, you all are having a great season. We wish you the best. Hopefully, you have an awesome rut if you aren't already tagged out. And uh, I want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Go ahead and check them out online at LoneWolfCustomGear.com. Uh, can't speak higher of all their products. They're all great stuff that's just going to make your job that much simpler in the outdoors. I want to close out today with a segment and a quote from Ralph Emerson. Ralph says, Adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. I think we all can relate to that one and uh hopefully it finds you well this weekend and hope you all are out there enjoying yourselves we'll catch you next week